Amen. Now we invite the children to join Mrs. Hoagland as they head outside for Children's Church. And as our children are making their way to Children's Church, uh, we can prepare for our scripture lesson. We'll be reading this morning from uh, the traditional Pentecost passage from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Again, that's Acts 2, 1 to 21. But before we go to God's word, let us first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the excitement of Pentecost. We thank you for the chance to gather for worship. And as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would be here with us. We ask that the same spirit who appeared to the disciples on Pentecost would appear today as we read this very story, that you would open our ears and our eyes, our hearts and our minds, that you would change our lives through the power of your word. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Listen to the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we reflect now upon your word, we ask that you would help it to find its way into our lives, that we might come to know who you are and who you are calling us to be. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. When the day of Pentecost had come, that this is the passage we read for this day. And when we get to this point, 50 days after Passover, after the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, uh, we read the story of Pentecost, the festival that happens 50 days later. 
And church tradition gives pastors a pretty nice little playbook for this Sunday. As we look through this passage, there are some standard things we're really supposed to touch on in our sermons. All of these overwhelming and bewildering and exhilarating events. We're supposed to talk about the, 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 the tongues of fire and the rushing wind and the different languages and the sermon from Peter. We've got these traditional things we're supposed to cover as we consider the overwhelming events in this passage. But this year is not like any other year. And if you want to read this passage and stop at the first overwhelming event, it reads a little differently. Let's look at it together again, and let's, let's play a little game. Let's stop at the first overwhelming thing. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And now we're done. They were all together in one place. What an overwhelming, amazing, miraculous event that occurred on Pentecost. They worshiped in the same space. And I mean, for some of us, this notion is exhilarating. And for others, it's absolutely terrifying. But it gets worse because as we read, we find out not only were they all in the same place, but they came to the same place from different countries. None of them quarantined and there was not a drop of hand sanitizer in the bunch. And so as we read this, they all came together in one place. That's the moment. For me, that is the overwhelming, uh, cringe-inducing, exciting, exhilarating, miraculous thing in this passage, which I think positions us this year to understand the story of Pentecost with completely new eyes. I mean, for the disciples, as they got up that morning and gathered for their public worship at 9 a.m., they had no idea they needed to be concerned about tongues of fire or a rushing wind or speaking in different languages. They had plenty of anxiety about coming together in the same place because they hadn't really done that publicly in about 50 days. Now, we hear that they didn't worship publicly together for 50 days, and we, I'm, I am tempted to roll my eyes and scoff. 50 days, that's like amateur stuff. Try 400. But let's be gracious with the disciples. Let's give them that 50 days was a lot for them. And uh, they they had been together before this, but they had been together in their little household group indoors. Or together with their little household group, they went to the beach and they had a cookout and Jesus appeared to them. Or they went together and climbed a mountain. But this is the first time they are all together in public in worship and there are, are different people joining them. And as these new people come together and as the disciples begin to realize uh, what's happening, they, they understood that on this Pentecost, everything had changed. Almost everything was different. I, as they gathered together, suddenly they found themselves called into different roles maybe roles that were a little beyond their comfort zones. They found themselves not only with new roles, but looking at new faces. They found themselves with uh, brand new plans. They found themselves ministering in, in brand new places. And as they wrestled with these new roles and new faces and new plans and new places, that was plenty to overwhelm the disciples without ever getting beyond into the rest of the passage, into the tongues of fire or the different languages. And so let's, let's do the natural thing. Let's, let's, let's look at what the disciples experienced. And let's look at each of those areas. Let's let's look at the new roles the disciples had to take on. At at this moment, the disciples, we, we find them in the beginning of Acts. We know them from the Gospels. And in the Gospels, when we watch the disciples, 
they're kind of passive. And they're almost like background scenery for many of the stories as we watch Jesus uh, going through uh, his ministry and preaching and, and working miracles. But at this moment, everything changes. I mean, almost everything is different, and the disciples are now going to be thrust into a much more active role. Peter is going to have to step into leadership in a way that would have been unthinkable before. We're going to watch Philip, who we hardly ever saw in the Gospels. Philip is going to become a powerful Bible teacher. We're going to find uh, disciples like, like Matthew and John, whose names we know not from what they did in the Gospels, but because they wrote the Gospels. They're thrust into this new behind-the-scenes role, making sure that the words are recorded and transmitted for future generations to hear the good news. And church tradition tells us that even someone like Thomas took on a new role and became a missionary, going to different kingdoms throughout the world, proclaiming the gospel. As the disciples gathered for Pentecost, they were on the verge of being asked to take new roles in their ministries. And not only did they have new roles, but they were surrounded by new faces. We, we know the roster from the Last Supper. There's a very famous painting. Maybe you've seen it. We know who is at the Last Supper. But we also know that it's not the same people who show up at Pentecost. They didn't all survive. They, they said goodbye to some of their closest companions in those 50 days. And there are new faces. Matthias is appointed to join them. And as we read throughout Acts, we find that other new faces will join. Lydia becomes a powerful member of this new church. And we watch as people who had been acting sort of on the edges start to move toward the center. A young man named Mark, whose name is associated with another gospel, or a doctor named Luke. And we even find some people who would have been unthinkable to invite to church will become the leaders in this new ministry. A man named Paul. And the disciples find as this Pentecost arrives, some of the old faces are gone. And there are new faces as part of their ministry. New roles, new faces, and new plans. We all know what their plans were because they almost comically, sadly, announced their plans at the Last Supper, as one by one, each of the disciples promised that they would never deny or disown or desert or disobey Jesus. And we watched. After the Last Supper, we watched the events of Good Friday as one after another, their plans fell apart. And we watched as Jesus died and all of their plans changed. And then again on Easter Sunday. And then again at the Ascension. And then they come together at Pentecost and everything has changed. Almost everything is different. All of their plans have gone unsustained and they have to start over. New roles, new faces, new plans, and the places. This is a terrible passage to invite a lay reader to read because it's just a list of countries. Right? And they're hard to pronounce. But as the disciples gather together, when we, we read about them in the Gospels, they very rarely stray far from the banks of the Jordan River. And all of a sudden, on Pentecost, people come together from all over the world. Places they would never have even imagined going while they were uh, touring the countryside with Jesus. And suddenly, people are coming to them. And then, what we're told as we read through the book of Acts, is those disciples will start to reach out into new places. Philip will baptize an Ethiopian man. Paul will set up a, a powerful relationship with the church in Rome. 
You can learn a lot more about that in Ansby Hall after worship today. And also Thomas, we're told Thomas heads out to India and uh, preaches the gospel to kings and kingdoms. And right there with just three members of this new church, with Philip and with Thomas and with Paul, we reach three continents. And suddenly the gospel is being preached in new places and their ministry is touching places the disciples could never have even imagined. Everything has changed. Almost everything is different. And that's why this passage is so good for us today because we understand exactly what that feels like. We know what it's like to not be able to gather together and worship for a long time. We know what it's like when roles begin to change because the ministry that we have as a congregation, it has changed. There are new jobs we have to take on. And that means some of us will have to step outside of our comfort zones. If we have been blessed by the, the, uh, the outreach through our services being online, we have to be sitting in that seat in the back, making sure that the services go online. That takes work. That is a brand new role we didn't have before. And if we want to continue doing that, we're going to have to get back there and sit on Sunday mornings and make sure that someone is streaming the service and make sure that the slides are moving. If we want to make sure that we have children's church as we come back together, we have to volunteer to serve the children's church, even if it's a little bit beyond your comfort zone. When Sarah Hoagland calls and says, we need volunteers for children's church, your answer is yes, because we have new roles we have to fill as we do this ministry together. We have new roles and there are new faces. We all already know the people we have lost. But we've also welcomed new members. We've also been able to reach new places uh, online and new people who would never have been able to be part of our congregation before. And now it may even be the moment that we can ask that person who it would have been unthinkable to invite to church. We can ask that family if they want to be part of our Bible school in August because they may be very ready to do Bible school in August. Suddenly, we will find ourselves encountering brand new faces and our plans, our plans have changed. Think back to Easter and what you expected to happen this year in our church. It is completely different. All of our plans have changed. Everything is different. Almost everything has changed from what we expected at Easter time. Between uh, the, the changing numbers and, and rising vaccination rates, between the ability to come together and worship, the conversation about when we can take our masks off, but also the conversation about changes in our pastoral staff. Our plans have changed. And the places. We can reach places we could not have imagined before. We are called as a congregation to go deeper into our own community and deeper into communities all around this world. We know how to worship online. We have had people join our Bible studies and our worship services from the mountains and the beaches and across international borders. We are called as a congregation to reach places that are brand new to us. Everything has changed. Almost everything is different. New roles, new faces, new plans, new places, and suddenly the doors open and there is a rush of an old, old spirit. As the disciples were confronted by all these new things, their room was invaded by an old friend. As the Holy Spirit came to the disciples at Pentecost, this is the same spirit that hovered over the waters at creation. 
This is the same spirit that parted the waters when the people left Egypt. This is the same spirit that brought rain from heaven during a drought after Elijah's contest on Mount Carmel. This is the same spirit that spoke through the prophets. This is the same spirit that descended like a dove at the baptism of Christ. This is the same spirit that inspired those disciples to gather on Pentecost. It's the same spirit that showed up as tongues of fire. It's the same spirit that led Philip to that Ethiopian man. It's the same spirit that inspired Mark and Matthew and John and Luke. It's the same spirit that brought Paul's sight back to him. This is the same spirit that gathered the church to write the creeds. This is the same spirit that inspired a group of Christians in the early 1800s to build a log cabin in Sewickley. This is the same spirit that is in this room. Wherever this room is, as you hear my voice, this is the same spirit that will lead us to take on these new roles. It is the same spirit that will guide us as we embrace new faces. It's the same spirit that will guide us as we make our new plans. It's the same spirit that will lead us into new places. It is the same spirit that is reinventing and rebirthing our congregation right now. As everything around us seems to be so new, we are surrounded by an old, old friend. As everything feels uncomfortable, we are surrounded by the comforter. As our plans go unsustained, God sends us the sustainer. This is the good news of the gospel. Everything has changed. Almost. The most important things are exactly the same. It is the same Holy Spirit. It is the same gospel. It is the same good news that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. It is the same promise that God loves us no matter what. And so as we face all of the new things around us, we rely on the old promises, the old gospel, the old calling as we proclaim to the world that God loves us no matter what. And we can trust that we step into this new thing. We do so not alone, but with the Holy Spirit who brought us in the first place. This is who we are. The calling is the same. The Spirit is the same. The ministry is the same. The message is the same. And we get to go about it in a brand new world. This is Pentecost. As a congregation, we read this passage. We read the birth of the church. And there's the playbook. We know what it means for the Holy Spirit to come. We know the story of the tongues of fire. We know the rushing wind. We know the different languages. But this year, we know that the truly amazing thing is that they were all together in one place. And that's when the old spirit came to the church. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.